Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, if things sound a little bit more echoey in here, uh, there's a very good reason. Lucas, I'm sitting right now in my living room, and uh, everything has been basically taken away. I can see how dirty the floor is, uh, and I'm sitting in one of the only two chairs remaining in my apartment because I am getting ready for the big move, just as you did about a month ago. Get out of here, Max Keeble, because it's Will Young's big move. (laughs) Man, oh man! I, I remember seeing commercials for that uh, back in the day. Did you ever see? Did you ever see Max Keeble's Big Move? Was that part of your childhood? I saw Max Keeble's Big Move in theaters. In what? In what? Sorry. In theaters. Oh, in theaters. So I thought you said in features. Gotcha. Uh, is no. it any good? Max Keeble's Big Move. I could not tell you for the life of me. Um, <laughs> as a, as a child, as a young man, I enjoyed it. But I also enjoyed the movie Big Fat Liar, which came around the same time. So I, I couldn't tell you if they hold up. Frankie Munez in Big Fat Liar. And uh, yeah, that's definitely one that I... Both of those I skipped in theaters. Although I think I wanted to see Max Keeble's big move for the amount of times I saw it on Fox Kids on Saturday morning. And uh, yeah, thankfully the humidity has cut down a little bit and uh, we aren't, I mean, I'm still starting to sweat a little bit with the window closed, but not nearly as much as if it was, you know, 35 degrees with the humidity or something. Hopefully uh, you're not feeling too bad either. Well, if anything, winter is here because Game of Thrones is back, Will. It's the Game of Thrones cast. You got me, (laughs) your number one Jon Snow fan, Lucas Mancini, with my co-host, He's the leader of the Night's Watch. It's Will Young. I'm you excited. I, Season seven, buddy. Yeah, I guess it, I would be more the Samwell Tarly to your Jon Snow, if anything else. Oh, I didn't know you watched Game of Thrones. I, I was just goofing. No, I, I, I don't really. It's that's that's half. That's like a third reading the books, a third watching the first season and a half, and then a third cultural osmosis. So. You know, I, I, I pick up what I pick up, but I'm not really a regular watcher myself. I mean, it's hard to avoid. You could pretty much figure out a lot of Game of Thrones by people's T-shirts. Absolutely. It's like, okay, the North remembers something, something. Yeah. <laughs> or I, just the North remembers. Or I have friends who are huge into it, and so, you know, I could probably identify the major houses, at least by, you know, the first couple of seasons. I don't know how many houses we're into by now or how many have fallen. Speaking of remembering, we do a show about Arthur. Yeah, remember Arthur? We talk about it every week. And this is the Episodic Arthur Podcast. I'm sorry, if you were looking for a cast of ice and fire, then uh, you'll have to look elsewhere. I'm sure that there are tens of Game of Thrones podcasts on your local podcast dispensary. My name's Will Young, and my co-host is, of course, uh, the Jon Snow of uh, this podcast, uh, Lucas Mancini. That's a very good compliment, Will. I appreciate it. Well, that's good, because I meant it as such, and but I have no idea how popular or unpopular he is. <laughs> I, I would say he's among the most popular. Okay, well uh, then. Given, given that people held actual real funerals for him when, uh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, man. Also spoilers, uh... We got two Arthur episodes to talk about today, at least two stories. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling the mess out of them, and uh, we've got ourselves two more Arthur stories in one nice little 24-minute episode, so let's get into it. Uh, Our first one today is Lost, and I... I said at the end of the last episode, if you missed it, I said we're going to have to get all the lost references. No, Lucas said we have to get all the lost references out, and I said it's going to be polluted with them. And I only get the title out, and we have an impression of the opening credits of Lost. Ask your parents about Lost, kids. Yeah, tell them about the numbers. Man, I was a huge, huge Lost fan. That was one of the. Who was it? Who was it? It was great. 
I'm happy to say that was one of the shows that like I knew enough to get in on the ground floor. Like I watched it from pilot to series finale as it happened. Were you on like the lost forums with all your fan theories? No, but a couple of my close friends were, and they were really kind of uh, into that side of things. I didn't really, I just kind of watched it with my family and uh, kind of left it at that. Were you team Jack or team the other guy? Sawyer? No, Locke. Um, uh... No, no, Sawyer. Yeah, it's Jack or Sawyer, because I'm I'm talking about love interests here. Oh, love interest. I was always team Sawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always team Sawyer because, no, he's a handsy hunk, that Sawyer. Man. Yeah, but I, I, Jack, tr- I Jack tried to take out his big things. Sorry. Jack Jack, Jack tried to take out his own appendix. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's nice and all, but I still like looking at Sawyer a lot better. <laughs> I thought he was destined for big things after loss. Like I thought he was one of the can't miss prospects and then it turned out he was a a missed prospect. Yeah, same with uh, the guy who played Jack. The only other thing I've seen him in is, like, he pops up here and there. Like, he was in the movie Vantage Point. Mm. As the uh, spoilers for the film Vantage Point, the security guard who's actually evil the whole time. He was? Oh, yeah. It turns out that was the Vantage Point that solved it all was oh, the man. security guard who shot the guy. He was, like, the main character that, like, the poster focused on. That's crazy. I know. Uh, no, but you he was also in the Speed Racer movie. Oh right, he plays Racer X. A lot of people like a lot of people like that Speed Racer movie. It's a good movie. Mm. Uh yeah, but one of the many can, uh, can't miss prospects that ended up missing and uh lost didn't propel as many people into stardom as we really thought it would. But uh oh well. It was a pretty, pretty, pretty good show. And if you haven't seen it, kids, check it out. All right. So from Game of Thrones to Lost all the way to Arthur, it all makes sense. And much like an episode of Lost, this uh, this episode of Arthur, Lost, starts in dramatic fashion with Mom and DW and even Pal uh, repeating the words, Lost? <laughs> Somebody else who's not me, make a supercut of how many times we say lost in this episode. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the mom's on the phone and somebody's clearly telling her that someone or something is lost. And uh, dad's, dad's like, who's lost? And then we get DW's Emmy performance where she's just like, Arthur's lost, daddy. <laughs> He's lost and I didn't even get to say goodbye. It's uh, it's real, real emotional in the Reed house, but it's uh, it's pretty scary stuff having your kids get lost. It's true. Now, Will, have you ever been lost? Not to this degree. I'm sure that I've been lost before in like you know department stores or what have you. But it's, it was never like you know have the you know call the police kind of lost. I was called the police lost one time. I uh, was on the uh, father-son camping trip, a thing my dad and I used to do annually with a bunch of his friends and their sons. Uh, And I went biking with a buddy, but he didn't want to keep biking, and so he turned back and went to camp, and I just kept biking by myself. And I took a left when I should have took a right, and then I biked for like nine kilometers because I thought it would eventually loop back around, but it didn't. And so then I like came across these strangers. I was like eight or something at the time. And I'm like, I, and I was biking on the highway. It was a bad scene. Oh, and then man. I, I came across these strangers portaging and I'm always like, I'm lost. Oh. And so eventually we got like the, uh, the park rangers to pick me up in the Jeep. Uh, but that's, that was my story of me being lost to the extent of people were like, where's Lucas? Oh jeez! I mean that, it's got... and one, that, that and one time I didn't want to put on sunscreen, and so I hid behind my parents' shed for like an hour, and they got really mad at me when I they found me because they thought I was Gonzo. How old were you when that happened? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, hmm, I have no idea. You must have been really. You, it was not recent. No, you must have been really young to be afraid of putting on sunscreen, so you hid for an hour. Oh, it wasn't that I was afraid of putting on sunscreen. I just didn't like it. It's just cold on your body. It's kind of gross and slimy. Well, but it's a necessary evil. Uh, yeah, so Arthur, it seems, has been lost at some point, and uh, Mom and Dad uh, go and kind of mobilize to get him, and DW is very, very affected by this. We end up the cold open by her just screaming, Arthur, where are you? And she's really upset. Yeah, almost to the point where she seems so upset that, like, 
it kind of explains where we continue the episode because almost all of the tension is immediately sucked out of the room uh, because it's a non-linear episode. We get DW screaming in anguish that Arthur's lost, smash cut to title, and then, oh, we found Arthur. Yeah, Arthur just walks in the door, and they're just like, oh, you're home. And DW herself is even like, we worried our heads off for nothing. She's really disappointed that she didn't get to be uh, more upset, I guess. Uh, but yeah, this is, like you said, told in a non-linear fashion. It's Arthur kind of recapping uh, his story. Uh, I guess we begin in medias rest with the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> DW has a great line here uh, before he starts the story of, uh, of uh, Arthur's, Arthur's is just a boring story about being lost. Mine is about being worried. <laughs> uh, some great dramatic DW in this episode. So the story of Arthur getting lost begins after school. Uh, he needs to go to a swimming lesson on a kind of farther away part of town, so he has to take public transit. He's got to take the bus, which uh, because mom is too busy, uh, she has to take DW to her pageant of foods where DW is playing the mashed potatoes, which explains uh, the the outfit she was wearing at the very beginning. It's like she, if you didn't know it was mashed potatoes, it kind of looks like she's covered in like cottage cheese or something and has like a... <laughs> some sort of weird discus skirt. That's what I actually like about the intro of this episode is you're immediately asking questions. The first <laughs> two being, where is Arthur? And then the second being, why is DW dressed like that? <laughs> it gets, it, it gets you, it has more questions, but uh, unlike Lost, it has all the answers. <laughs> Ooh, sick bird. Take that, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> uh, so Arthur Arthur isn't really thinking anything of taking the public bus, which good for him. I didn't take the bus regularly until I was like a teenager, and I did not understand the system before it was kind of explained to me. But he doesn't think anything of it, and he would have probably been fine if it wasn't for Buster and Francine, who are very much kind of... In unintentionally putting the scare on him of all the horror stories they've heard of people who have taken the bus. And uh, we get two of them here, and I don't want to jump so the gun. So bu bu yeah. Buster, says, Buster says, you're taking the bus? The real one? The one that goes <laughs> to the edge of town? Uh, and I thought back to how excited Binky was at the prospect of seeing the edge of town uh, when they were in that baseball game. If you remember when Francine's dad threatened to take them to the edge of town as a joke, and Binky was like, I'll never get to see the edge of town. Well, I'll never get to see the outskirts of town. That's yeah, right. Yeah, the outskirts, yeah. The Elwood, the Elwood City limits, if you will. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so Buster and Francine both have an idea of, uh, you know, the worst thing that could happen to you on the bus. Buster's and, okay, so these two things here are probably my favorite part of this episode. This gets, it's this gets certainly wild. This, it, it's certainly the stuff I remembered most from this episode. This is one of those Arthur moments that have always been burned into my brain. <laughs> I find more and more it's these cutaways that are just so ridiculous, and this one particularly so frightening. It's the things that really stick with me as a kid, rather than your typical slice-of-life stories. Frightening is the word. Like uh, so, Buster's imagination is that Arthur is riding the bus, and they are clearly going through like a rural area, and he just t taps the bus driver on the shoulder, like, "Excuse me, I think I should have gotten off by now." And uh, the bus driver says, "And you notice it's we never see his face before the big reveal." He's like, "You got the wrong bus, kid. This bus <laughs> don't make any stops." This is like. It's like doesn't make any stops, but that's impossible. And then the guy turns around and goes, "Oh, really?" And <laughs> he becomes this like his face morphs into this horrendous like alien squid monster with these two flappy tentacles. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the bus turns into this same alien. It's like it's a real like holy shit moment. <laughs> Well, also, then the bus transforms into a spaceship and flies up into the sky. And this is apparently Buster's worst-case scenario. And, I mean, it's pretty horrifying if you don't know that where it's coming from. And then Francine's just like, yeah, I heard that, too. It was on a movie on TV last week. But th So Francine uh, says that, that kind of thing can't happen, but you better make sure that you have enough money because she heard of one kid who didn't have enough money for the bus and that never let him off. And so this is Francine's imagination where the bus lets off at the pool or whatever. And then uh, 
uh, he stops Arthur from leaving. <laughs> this one is just, this one really makes me laugh. It's really funny. So the bus driver is keeping Arthur hostage because he doesn't have the correct change. And there's a shot of Arthur as he's trying to escape from the bus. Uh, he doesn't have any shoes. He is long since so it, out. Yeah. Right, right. So this is after, I want everybody to keep in mind, this is after supposedly years have gone by of Buster being on the bus. It's really like a terminal. You ever see the movie Terminal with Tom Hanks? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay, it's a very much a terminal with Tom Hanks situation where Tom Hanks couldn't leave the terminal because of passport issues. So mm-hmm. he essentially lived in an airport for like 10 years. The same thing's happening to Buster, except the bus driver does not age. Yet, okay, go on and describe how Arthur has. Right, so the the bus driver who is the real bus driver at the end. Uh, Ar- so, okay, so Arthur, he says in a line of dialogue, he says, uh, can't you just let me go? I've been here for 40 years. And so Arthur at this, eight, at this time is 48 years old. Point, yeah, he's not wearing any shoes. He, uh, he He's long since outgrown his pants to the point where, like, He's, they're just basically look like shorts, and the same with like yeah, his he's, classic he's got yellow like, shirt. He's got like those uh, he's got like those Hulk pants, like with the frayed bottom. Yeah, he has clearly been wearing these for forty years, and uh, you know, and he's just like, I don't have any more money. It's in my other pants. And then we get like <laughs> the line read of the episode, which is, guess you should have thought of that before you got on the bus, old man. <laughs> <laughs> so funny that's my favorite part about the whole that's my favorite part about the whole thing though is like arthur's got five o'clock shadow he's got these hulk pants but then when we cut back to the bus driver he hasn't aged a year which doesn't make any sense no there's a lot about this that doesn't make any sense i will say first of all um not having enough money in a given situation is like a is like a low-key top fear of mine whether it's the bus or whether it's a restaurant or something uh, that is absolutely something that I am nervous about all the time. Uh, but this, this, not exactly to this extreme, because the question I had was, what does the bus driver expect to gain from this whole situation of keeping Arthur trapped for 40 years until he can pay his debt, but he's never going to make more money? He, like, he, there's no way he could get the money, so he's just kind of keeping him trapped until he dies, I guess. Well, obviously, he just wants Arthur to pay the debt with his immortal soul. <laughs> Do you think this is like a, a Lucifer in disguise situation, or maybe like a Hotel California situation? Oh, you can uh, you can pay the toll, but you'll never leave. Yeah, exactly. Check in any time you like. Oh, jeez! But there, at least there's stuff to do at the Hotel California. This is just a bus. Oh, touche. Not thinking about it, I wonder if the movie that Buster was watching that made him think about a bus that you could never get off was Snowpiercer. Maybe, although uh, it, it would be it would be more prescient. Uh, I don't think that's the right word. Uh, it would be better if the people, instead of turning into squids, turned into, like, cricket people. Cricket people, exactly. Yeah, and his brain just kind of molded that together. Arthur does indeed take the bus, Um while he's on there, he's kind of a little bit nervous after Buster put the fear of alien squids into him. And he kind of sits down and then starts reading reading a book about squids, actually. So maybe that's kind of where Arthur filled in the gap in his head. Buster's uh, got, um, excuse me, Arthur's yeah. got squids on the brain. Uh, he must have been playing that Splatoon 2 like myself. That's right. Maybe that's another big reason why... Uh, either he's playing uh, the original or the new sequel. Uh, are you, are, do you, did you get Splatoon 2? Yeah, it's lit. It's very, very good. Uh, I highly recommend it. Rolling around with those splat doolies. Uh, people better watch out because I'm coming. Uh, Splatoon 2, uh, two thumbs up from myself. And I also think Arthur probably would have liked it as well since he's got squids on the brain so much lately. Uh, Does the Switch work on, like, a friend code system like the Wii and the Wii U did? Exactly. So you got to give someone their friend code, and then uh, it's actually really clunky. A message shows up, and it's, like, just their name. Uh, So if you know multiple people with the same name, it's like, is this the will I know, or is this just a different random will that got my friend code? Uh, But still, uh, it's still a fun time. 
Uh, if any of our listeners have uh, Splatoon 2 on the Switch, would you be willing to swap friend codes with them? Uh, possibly. I'd have to... I do not have my friend code offhand, so I'll have to get back to you on that one next week. Well, we can... I could, like, facilitate between you. But, yeah, keep that keep that in mind. I, I wonder if there would be any of our listeners who would like to play a game of, of Splatoon 2 with Lucas Mancini. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Arthur is reading a book on squids and then ends up falling asleep on the bus, and as he explains, that happened because he was up late reading comic books by flashlight under the covers. Did you ever, uh, did you ever sneak, uh, uh, anything after, like, did you ever, um, stay up past your bedtime in your bedroom doing something like reading or, uh, playing video games or whatever? I would, uh, I would download, uh, episodes of the one up show onto my iPod nano, which was (laughs) able to watch video podcasts. And so I would watch, like, episodes of the one-up show, and my parents would always get super mad at me and tell me to go to bed because they could hear me laughing at the openings. <laughs> What's the one-up show? Oh, it was uh, back when uh, EGM used to exist. They had their online component was called oneup.com, mm-hmm. uh, and the one-up show was the uh, video podcast that went along with it. Uh, I still get nostalgic for the one-up show here and there, so I'll look up the theme song on YouTube. It's this like little ditty where it's like, I don't want to go to work today. I want to <laughs> stay home and play video games. It's like a, a, a it's it's one of those childhood things that really I only remember and no one ever talks about. Uh, I remember uh, I had a brief flirtation with video podcasts as well. Mine was the Chikara Podcast A Go Go. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, no, I was big into uh, independent wrestling promotion Chikara, and they uh, had a weekly video podcast I quite enjoyed. That was when, uh, I'm going to guess I was a bit older than you. That would have been when I was like 18, 19. Yeah, no one's telling you to go to bed when you're staying up late (laughs) watching that. No way, I'm staying up like crazy late doing all kinds of other things besides watching the podcast a go-go. Uh, but yeah, Arthur uh, kind of played himself here by tiring himself out, and then he falls asleep, and he wakes up uh, in a part of town he doesn't recognize. And he asks uh, somebody else on the bus who's dressed in like a waitress uniform uh, where they are, and she says they're close to the edge of town. And so Arthur needs to kind of uh, get his surroundings around him, but this is obviously the worst-case scenario. Um a great, a great detail here is they, in animating the backgrounds, they could have just made it look like deep into Elwood City, but mm-hmm. it really looks different than any environment we've seen in Elwood City thus far. It looks a lot more industrial, a lot of brick buildings, smokestacks, like, it doesn't seem like a residential area or an area with office buildings. It seems like a much more industrial, sort of outskirts of town kind of place, which is a fun detail and kind of difficult to get across uh, in just drawing a different background. So I appreciated that for sure. And, uh, I wanted to note here that, um, Arthur's experience in, you know, cause his parents keep asking him like, why didn't you tell the bus driver? And he said, well, I tried to, and he kind of does. He just, he just goes like, uh, never mind. And this whole thing of, uh, Arthur being too afraid to ask for help. Like the waitress asked him if, if he's okay. And he's just like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, Really okay. So cross this off your Elwood City Limits bingo card. But this is like I related with this so hard because this is what anxiety is like. This is Arthur is too anxious to ask for help because he's kind of too afraid of being embarrassed or saying the wrong thing. Even in a situation where he's like in this strange place, he doesn't know where he is and he's lost. And so he gets off the bus and he realizes like he doesn't know where to walk to. He doesn't have enough money to take the bus and he just really doesn't know what to do. And uh, he finds himself in in uh, Manny's Diner, which is where the uh, waitress works. He tries to use the phone, but uh, it uh, doesn't work. And she kind of helps him out a little bit by giving him some milk and a burger platter. And uh, so very nice to him. Uh, I'll stop you there. There's a bunch of questions about this. First of all, she says... Uh, oh, that old phone, I'm always asking Manny to fix it. And then we cut to a picture of Manny, who's the owner, and he looks like sort of an authorized version of, like, Pee Wee Herman or something. That's funny. Do you think so? Uh, well, th- that's the closest comparison. He's got these rosy cheeks. Uh, the other thing is that what kind of establishment only has one phone being a payphone, and then they don't have a landline, like, for business calls? That was strange. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, and then finally, when she offers, <laughs> when she when she offers Arthur some milk, she says, "Hey, Manny, squeeze me a cow," which I just think is kind of a gross way to describe pouring a glass of milk. Ah, uh, that's one of those old Amer- uh, those American dinerisms, and uh, <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of liked it. So at this point, D.W. is very anxious to tell her side of the story, which is kind of filling in the blanks of uh, what happened at Arthur's house while this was all going on. Um, oh, sorry. One more thing is that Arthur doesn't try to call his home uh, because he figures that his parents won't be there. He tries to call Grandma Thora, and we get this cutaway uh, that is uh, clearly guest-directed by Edgar Wright because it's uh, <laughs> Grandma Thora stars in Granny Driver. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, too Thora, too Furious, but Granny Driver works a lot better. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, he pictures Grandma Thora as, like, putting up, uh, putting up like, a police siren on her, uh, on her car, and she's, like, talking to him over a CB radio, just like, hold on, sweetie. And it's this whole, like, she does a bunch of stunt driving, gets to an unfinished part of the highway, and does, like, this uh, huge Blues Brothers jump over it. And eventually makes it to him, and there's like a rainbow and everything. So that's that's how much of a superhero Arthur thinks Grandma Thora is. So DW's side of the story, she, <laughs> she has a couple good lines in here. She's just like, uh, Mom says, "All right, you can tell your story now, DW." And she says, "Well, while you were busy stuffing your face, Mom and I were hard at work." And so uh, back at the house, DW is in her mashed potatoes outfit, and the phone's ringing. She picks it up and she just goes. What do you want? And, and and DW's mom responds the exact same way I would have, where she's like, DW! Like, that is a really rude way to answer the phone. Absolutely it is. And uh, mom relates kind of how upset she got when, when they got the call that Arthur was missing. Uh, so back at the diner, the um, waitress recommends that he uh, talk to the bus driver uh, to, see, to, see, to tell him uh, that he's lost and... Arthur's kind of afraid that the bus driver will be mad, which, again, anxiety. And she says that the bus driver's name is Sam and that he can uh, help Arthur. So Arthur uh, uh, catches the bus before it leaves, and there's a bit of a moment where you think that the bus driver's going to be really, real surly, but then it turns out that, you know, just like, hey, don't sweat it, kid. It happens all the time. And it is the same bus driver from the Buster and Francine uh, imagination sequences. So we're kind of already having him being set up as a potential villain, but then he just ends up being really cool and uh, ends up taking Arthur home. I really like the voice actor they chose for Sam. Like he's got this like blue collar accent, but he's also got this like very adult, like, Oh, I'm, I'm this authority figure and I'm nice and I'm going to help you out kind of voice. It was a uh, good casting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I put him put him down here as a bit of a John Favreau type of a guy who's <laughs> who's like very surly looking and can kind of be very curt and short, but at the same time can also appear to be very friendly at, at the drop of a dime. So yeah, no, I agree, and that's a good point. So then after that, Arthur got led home, and uh, uh, everybody is just kind of happy to have him home. And we're essentially at the end of the episode right here, and it ends with. Uh, Arthur going to bed and then DW coming into his room, shining a flashlight in his face and then being like, I'm just came in to, to make sure that you won't be lost. And she said that, uh, Arthur, you really scared me when you got lost. Please. Can you not get lost again? And Arthur kind of, as he goes to sleep, promises that he'll never get lost. And they uh, both kind of fall asleep. And I thought that that was really, really sweet. It's always nice once in a while to get an episode where, uh, Arthur and DW aren't at each other's throats and uh, uh, are are more loving with each other. You can't do it all the time because they're a source of they're like one of the best conflicts in the show. But it is nice to know that you know they still do love each other. And it's all a right. good payoff. Oh, sorry, no problem. No, go no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's a good payoff as well, just to have him be like kind of half awake as he says it as well. So it's not just it's not too hokey, but it's still kind of a genuine moment. Mm-hmm. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Okay, so we've talked about in this segment before how sometimes, especially in this season, I think, uh, the relation between the episode and the kids segment is kind of dubious sometimes. Like, you're, they're really stretching <laughs> it. This has got to be the biggest stretch in Arthur well, to date. 
they they bring it back around a little bit kind of but really like i was scratching my head for maybe the first minute or so of this a word from us kids segment because it could not have less to do with the arthur episode absolutely because it starts off with a kid being like i think if arthur had a map he wouldn't have gotten lost which then hey thanks a lot like good job not, not to rag on this kid or anything but like yeah no duh anyway uh the and then they say then they're talking about how they're doing a project by creating maps except it's not like map necessarily maps of a city or anything it's like maps of all kinds of different things like uh, a couple kids show up like a map of their body and you know like it's an episode of the magic school bus or something oh sorry uh th- th- that's my issue with it is that had it been just maps of a city I would have said, okay, this kind of has to do with the episode. But they kick it off with not one, but two different maps of the human body, which has pretty... One, that's barely a map. That's more of a cross-section for a medical journal. And two, that has, like, nothing to do with either of these episodes. No, not at all. And uh, there's one here that I think is just kind of cheating, and it's like a map of the food chain, and it's just a drawing of... uh smaller fish getting eaten by bigger fish and like that's not really a map that's just more it's more of a diagram <laughs> not to be pedantic about it but like it that seems like something that you'd be like yeah it's technically a map give me my grade sort of thing and uh, although i will okay so i will been a little bit harsh here there is one part of this that i think is really cute and it's the little girl who does the uh the map of her heart which is all the things that she loves like her family her teacher candy and that okay that that was that was cute I'll, I'll give that points but otherwise i thought this segment was rather spurious in uh, terms of relation to the episode one kid does a math of map of his stomach and he talks about what he ate for that day and let oh, me yeah. just say I didn't write down everything he said, but this kid's diet is far from ketogenic. He was like, I had a chocolate bar and chocolate milk and some pineapple and also some candy. And it was like, whoo, I'm not <laughs> sure. You should you should talk to the, the kid who was doing the map of the food chain because you could learn a thing or two. Um, <laughs> Got him. Also, shout out to the, uh, the, the kid wearing the Night of the Living Dead t-shirt. Rest in peace, George Romero. I was surprised to see this preschool-aged kid or very young, like, grade one-aged kid wearing a Night of the Living Dead t-shirt. Uh, I totally and then, missed that. Uh, yeah, you can see it. There's a shot of a kid wearing a Green Bay Packers t-shirt, and I paused to see him. And then in the corner, there's a kid wearing a Night of the Living Dead shirt, which is pretty cool. And then finally, the other note I wanted to make is there's this weird editing moment where near the end of the segment, there's just a cut to a kid. The camera is above him, and he's, like, looking up from, like, below you. So he's kind of got this creepy look on his eyes, and he just goes, I love maps. We love maps. (laughs) And then it cuts away from him immediately. I, I, I guess I must have only been paying half attention. I kind of missed that one, too. Uh, seems I missed a couple of good things. Actually, uh, I rewatched uh, the remake of Night of the Living Dead from 1990. The color one is up on Netflix, and that's pretty good. Um, I, I The original is one of my favorites. You can watch that for free on Google. Just Google search Night of the Living Dead. Uh, but the, the color remake is actually a lot better than I remember it being. See, when you said remake, I was like... Was he watching the Zack Snyder film? No, that's that's a remake of Dawn, that's Dawn, Dawn of, of the, the Dead. That's Dawn of the Dead, yeah. And that movie's really good, too. Uh, Really good, maybe not. It, that movie's... It is Zack Snyder's best movie, in my opinion. Uh, but I would go as far as to say that it's really good. That movie's got a really, really amazing first ten minutes, and then the rest of the movie's just kind of okay. I, I, I agree that it's his best movie. I disagree in that I like it a lot better than, than you do, but fair enough. We can at least come to an agreement on one part of that. Okay, and the second half of the episode is the short, quick summer. Uh, this one starts at the beginning of the last minutes of school, which was a, which was a really nice uh, little blast of nostalgia there because, of course, you and I, we don't get the feeling anymore of being in school for the last minutes before summer vacation starts. You and I don't really have the typical school summer vacation anymore. Yeah, unless I want to throw on uh, Dazed and Confused, I can only <laughs> look for that feeling in th- Arthur episodes. Yeah. Uh Interesting here that everybody is in their, uh, you know, press C right to get to their summer alternate attires. Mm. 
They bought the summer DLC. Yeah. Uh, I had a question here. Why did why did media and I don't know if it's still this prevalent, but like, why does media always have the last day of school be like an actual day of school, full day? Because I don't know about you, but my last day of school was always like kind like an hour where you go and like pick up your report cards and then just kind of go. I guess it wouldn't make a really good episode, and so they kind of pretend that doesn't exist, and their last day of school is, like, the last day of the week before school, where it's, like, the last real school day. Hmm. You gotta have that imagery of all the kids running out at the same time and throwing the papers up in the air. I suppose that's true. Uh, and the, and we do get that as, uh, or, or excuse me, before we get that, it's Arthur uh, kind of using a calendar to uh, talk about all the stuff he's going to be doing this summer, or at least some of it. Like, in June, he plans to p- play some badminton with Buster in the backyard. Uh, in July, he wants to go to the beach and play some beach volleyball again with Buster. And we get a shot of Binky, Sue Ellen, and Francine uh, as, like, a three-piece band on a uh, beach concert stage. I could, if I had to compare them, they kind of sound like a new wave group. Like, they're the B-52s or something. That might just be Binky's off-key sing though, singing, though. <laughs> yeah, they're not exactly harmonizing very well, but, you know, they're making it work. And, hey, they're eight years old. You can only be so critical. And uh, in August, uh, Arthur wants to do some cloud watching with Francine and uh, Buster, where Buster sees a train racing an octopus. And then finally, we do get it. Summer is here. And Arthur's very excited. And then we go to the episode itself, which begins with Arthur waking up and apparently having missed all of summer because he's surprised when his mom says it's time to do back-to-school shopping for new clothes. Speaking of things that you and I don't have to do anymore, back-to-school shopping. Yeah, but I still got to get a fresh fit for fall. You know that I'm rocking brand-new Timberlands once it starts to get below 15 degrees. Gotta well, get a fresh parka. You I, listen. Just because I graduate doesn't mean the steez season discontinues. Gotta get ready for all those layers. Sure, but of course, uh, you don't have to like bring a supply list with you for like we need to get this, this, and this. You don't have to buy any textbooks anymore. None of that stuff. True. Touche. Uh, this opening montage it. it made me harken back to the new year's eve episode the season one finale oh, yeah. it's got a si- similar uh like sentimental almost piano tune playing over like oh look back at arthur's summer or in this case look ahead at arthur's summer look at all these great summer memories if you want to talk about nostalgia for times past uh it definitely evokes those feelings i'm glad you brought that up it was it was a really nice track that they had here and it was also it was piano with a bit of uh uh saxophone Mm. and it was very it was very very pleasant and uh uh evoked the mood of summer very well uh so arthur realizes that school that uh summer's almost over in fact it'll be over in about a week's time or so and uh, he realizes he didn't get to do anything on the list that he made for himself. In fact, the list that he made for his summer is missing. And that's kind of the through line of the whole episode. Uh, good point uh, by bringing up Arthur's New Year's Eve, because it is kind of the same thing of like in that one, Arthur wanted to find out what happened on New Year's. This year, he's going around to all his friends to find out um, where his list could be and kind of what he did all summer anyway, because he seems to have completely forgotten uh, DW asked him, "Was losing the list on the list? Because you sure did that." <laughs> they they need Chris Jericho. Where's Chris Jericho when you need him? He's yeah. always aware of where the list is. <laughs> I I I was trying to figure out where that might work itself into it, but uh, yeah, I I uh, it's kind of waiting for the opening. I guess that was it, and I missed it. Uh, you know what? You know what happened? You know what happens when I when I miss the opportunity for a good joke? Huh, oh, Lucas? You know what? You know you know what happens? You know what uh, happens? Could, oh, what happens? Why don't you tell me? <laughs> oh, I don't have a, I don't have a pen to click, but I just made the list. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we get this uh, scene where kind of different short clips of Arthur kind of looking for the uh, list in various places, and uh, DW is outside playing with like an elephant sprinkler. Like they put like this kind of elephant head on a normal sprinkler. Uh, did you ever? Uh, do you remember playing in the sprinkler? Did you ever do that very much? Yeah, but we just use a normal sprinkler, like uh, just one to not one for playing purposes, but one to uh, 
water your lawn purposes, and we would just jump through that over and over again. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, No, I, I had... There were, like, two different sprinklers that, that we used, and... Uh, uh, but exactly like you don't need to and necessarily like a gimmick one or anything but uh that one was a lot of fun did you ever uh did you ever slip and slide did you ever have any slip and slides we did i don't rem- i always remember them seeming way less fun in real life than they were in the commercials maybe i just wasn't getting a good angle or i didn't have enough body mass to really work up some speed on the slip and slide but i remember them being a recipe for getting more of a like uh, uh, what's it called? Like a rope burn, it felt like, when they weren't wet enough, or... I just don't have fond memories of the slip and slide. How about yourself? That was always my biggest uh, concern, was, like, if you didn't... If the slip and slide wasn't wet enough, like, what's the chafage situation there? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially for a big guy like me, that, like, my body is not kind at all to chafing or burns of any kind. Never did the slip and slide, but I've always been curious to try, because I know it's a big part of a lot of people's summer experience. We start off, Arthur is in the treehouse with Buster, uh, just kind of trying to figure out what he even did this summer. Uh, Buster wants to play a board game called Kangaroo Court, uh, where Sue the kangaroo cavorts in a kawazi courtroom. And I love this line. <laughs> I love this line. It's just fun, not educational. Can't beat that. So another kind of shot at the bow of, like, educational content. I get the feeling that Arthur uh, Buster would be way into, like, adult board games later in life, like... It starts with Kangaroo Court. How long until Buster's playing Arkham Horror? <laughs> uh, yeah, Kangaroo Court seems like one of those uh, one of those gimmick board games, uh, like uh, Frady Cats or Grape Escape, or one of those ones that like requires you know for you to put batteries into one of the pieces and stuff like that. Don't wake Daddy. Yes, don't wake Daddy. Um, so Buster is talking about how one of the big things they did that summer was save the carousel, uh, which is uh, they go. Apparently, there's a carousel somewhere in downtown Elwood City, and Arthur and Buster find out that uh, it's going to be closed down because Mister Crosswire has bought the land and he'll be uh, he'll be ripping it down. Buster talking to a a guy who's kind of my new favorite character. <laughs> not not. Not since Arthur's uncle have I been this excited about, like, just a throwaway character showing up. His name is, I think, Gunky? Gunky, yeah. Gunky, my new favorite character. He goes, (laughs) boy. And this whole situation, it's straight out of, like, just one of those, like, electric boogaloo movies where it's like, we gotta save the community center because the big, or, like, the Muppets movie that came out a couple years back where it's like, oh, the company, the big bad corporations bought the community center and now they're gonna tear it down so we gotta have a benefit concert, something like that. Gunky's giving them the bad news and Gunky's like, I'm sorry, boys, but, uh, Mr. Crosswire, but (laughs) I love him. I love Gunky. I want to see, like, more about what's up with Gunky. (laughs) Mr. Crosswise bought the land. I hear he's a ripping it down. <laughs> I'm getting oh he like Gunky feels like a Homestar Runner character or something. I love it. <laughs> I hear he's a ripping it down. Or it's like Coach Z. He's like, well, you know there, boys, when you get the land bought in the Gardenboard, which you've ordered it. That's a really good Coach Z. I like your Coach Z. Uh, hey, I misspe- I'm I misspeak all the time, so I uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for Coach Z. <laughs> <laughs> Great job there, Homestar. Uh, they <laughs> listen in on a meeting at Mister Cross at Crosswire Motors, where uh, some guy is like, "We'll have the plans." It's like we'll have it uh, ripped down by the end of the week, Mister Crosswire. And I was just like, "How did they get into Mister Crosswire's boardroom? How did they know when this meeting was happening?" Because it's just like uh, it, they're just off the street in their summer clothes, and they're just like peering in behind a glass wall. My other favorite detail about this is that Mr. Crosswire, the reason for him buying the the land that the uh, carousel is on is because he wants to replace it with grease pits. Yeah. Uh, he even does like a he even has like a billboard of like carousel cents grease pit dollar sign. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's hilarious. Uh, So they relay this plan to everybody at the Sugar Bowl, and Pinky has a great line of, Grease Pits could be fun, too. And Buster (laughs) has to explain to him, they're not for us to play in, they're for his car business. 
Oh, this whole thing is so great. Like, it's 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 literally like a mini 80s movie in this Arthur episode. It was so out of left field, I wasn't expecting it at all. But we get this, like... And it's true because it's like the Sandlot or one of these things where, like, a bunch of kids work together to save something. But it's just condensed as a cutaway in this Arthur episode. I was really surprised. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that it could have been its own episode if they really wanted it to be. But uh, I like mm-hmm. how it's kind of uh, maybe not thrown away, but uh, used disposably uh, here to kind of make this point. And so finally, everybody uh, is there for, like, a protest when the Crosswire Motors bulldozer is there, driven by Mr. Crosswire himself. And, uh, you know, everybody just, like, you know, they don't want the carousel to be torn down. And Grandma Thora has a picture of Mr. Crosswire as a little boy in, like, a sailor suit in, like, an old vintage photo riding the carousel with his father. And Mr. Crosswire is moved to tears and decides not to take it down. And as Gunky himself says, You did it, Buster! You <laughs> saved the carousel! Oh, I love Gunky. You, did you notice that this episode has the exact same ending as the Scarier Pants Off books episode? Uh oh yeah yeah uh Mr. Crosswire being appealed to by his emotions. Well Mr. Crosswire is like holding a press conference and then someone approaches him with evidence that he liked the thing way back in the day <laughs> and so then he has a change of heart. It's like the exact same ending. It was it was a simpler time Lucas when we thought that if we showed <laughs> villains sense and logic then uh they would be compelled to stop. It, yeah, if these days if you showed Mr. Crosswire that picture he'd be like that's fake news. <laughs> Yeah, so, but that turns out, the whole, like, the whole point of this was is that it was Buster's story, not Arthur's. Arthur was just kind of a part of it, and then Buster's just like, boy, I had a great summer. And that's kind of the <laughs> theme of a lot of these is that, you know, Arthur is involved in them, but it's more about everybody sharing their experience of what happened to them in the summer. Uh, Arthur goes to see Binky, and Binky starts off with, what kind of a geek wastes this entire summer? <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's not. Uh, but uh, so what Binky did this summer is that he disassembled his whole bike on the first day of summer and cleaned all the parts. And he tried every day to put it back, but he wasn't successful. But he still, uh, you know, tried his tried his best and had fun with it. And he invented the mud sled, which uh, really it just ends up being it's just kind of a toboggan that he repurposed to try and sled through mud in a, in a cutaway, which really just ends with him. Uh, dive bombing into a huge mud pit. You want to talk about chafing and injuring yourself on a slip and slide? <laughs> Try trying to sled down dry mud or like not that much mud. You could really, if there's any rocks in there, it could be a bad scene. It was at least on a rainy day, so the mud was pretty slick. And I mean, it's it would true, it would but, it would have to be. But the other kids did not seem too enthusiastic about Binky's invention. Like they weren't gonna light up. If, if Binky presented the mudsled to the Dragon's Den or to the Shark hmm. Tank for you American listeners, I can't see them investing a lot of money for 10% of Binky's company. No way. Uh, so, you know, Binky, Binky says it was the best summer ever. So he's, he's pretty happy with what he did. But Arthur's still upset that he can't really figure out what he did this summer. Uh, he's kind of going over it in his room while DW is there and kind of pacing around. Uh, and DW, what her big thing from the summer is that she was there when Kate said her quote-unquote first word. And her memory of it is that uh, Kate says the word and then calls mom and dad up. And they're just like, what did she say? And DW's like, she said, Bluge Agua. <laughs> and we get to hear Kate say it too. She's like, Bluge Agua. Yeah. And then DW is like, it's her first word. My favorite part about this is like, Arthur's dad is so excited. Like, he's downright giddy. He's like, I bet it was daddy. It was daddy, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. And then then they're just so deflated when they find it was just a nonsense word. And I, and they don't even say anything to her. They just they turn just wa- around and walk away. They just walk away. And um, the other thing I liked was uh, DW when she's just, like, uh, explaining it once again. She's like, she said it clear as a bell. Blue vagua. <laughs> putting a little spin on it. So that's uh, that's Kate's second quote-unquote word right next to Gluba from Arthur's Spelling Trouble. I looked at, I looked up uh, Blue Jaguar on uh, on Google, and there was no Urban Dictionary for that. 
Uh, we have a couple of more brief interludes of people, what they did over the, uh, over the summer break. Uh, Pern, Pern, Fern became poetry champ and kind of is, is having a hard time, uh, stopping rhyming. And then we get a, a I say boo to Fern's, uh, Fern's weak bars. Uh, if this happened, if someone I knew did this in real life, it's like when someone goes away for a summer and then they come back and they're like, oh, I have a French accent because I went to Paris. Like, oh, I went to poetry championships and now I can't stop rhyming. I don't have the timing. Boo! Weak bars. Maybe for Flo had been a little better, you may have been a bit kinder to it. That's true. Maybe if she, instead of going A, B, A, B, A, B, if she changed up the rhyme scheme a little bit. I, uh, I'd be a little bit more willing to accept it. Maybe she was like raindrop drop top cooking up dope in the crock pot. Then you would have there been you go. kinder to it. By the exactly. way, by the way, thanks a lot because now not only do I know who Migos are, but I've had bad and bougie in my head for the last week. Well, I'll tell you what, Will, if it wasn't for me introducing it to you, you and the rest of the world know who Migos are now. So you would have <laughs> figured it out eventually. I suppose so. Uh, so we actually get a cutaway for this next one. It's, uh, Sue Ellen who, um, learned, learned a magic trick over the summer because Mr. Ratburn, uh, moonlights in the summer at Jack's joke shop. So he teaches her this really complicated card trick that at first seems like it's going to be, you know, your typical pick a card thing. But as we see her perform it in front of Ratburn, it involves like, like smoke and disappearance and like sleight of hand. And so this is more getting into the Chris Angel style of magic rather than, you I know, was just, I was, I was, I was just going to say <laughs> Suellen in mind freak. And I think what really pushes it over the, what really pushes it over the top is when Sue Ellen claps her hands together, makes the stack of cards disappear, puts her palm out and then they fall from the ceiling. Yeah, that's just, like, you had me up until there, and I'm just like, all right, now we're dealing with some, like you said, mind freak type stuff. (laughs) To Uh, quote Griffin McElroy, she freaked my mind. Oh, my my bean. Oh, my bean. (laughs) My bean. (laughs) Oh, she's, oh, they're coming down from the ceiling. Oh. Yeah, so that's what Sue Ellen, she spent the whole summer figuring that out and then finally managed to impress Ratburn. I thought that was kind of a cool uh, thing that's not not really explored too much. In fact, I don't know if it's even brought up in other episodes, but just to have Mr. Ratburn in the offseason, kind of humanizing him a little bit more, he's uh, clearly interested in, like, magic and stuff since he's also into uh, uh, puppetry and ventriloquism. Yeah, these two, like... The magic bit and the save the carousel are both like two small three act stories, like they're full beginning, middle, and end stories with like conclusions. Like one is about Sue Ellen not giving up and trying and trying until she could complete the trick under the guidance of Mr. Rapper, and the other one is Buster saving a, a town landmark. Like it's funny how much is fit into this one episode. You're right, and these really, these two really could have probably existed as their own episodes uh, if they were fleshed out a little bit. But yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, that's a yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. Uh, Arthur goes to see Francine and Prunella, who are at Prunella's house, and uh, they are trying to dig through to the Earth's core so that they can find uh, rare minerals there. And uh, so. You know, dig into the Earth's core, you know, they're kids, whatever. My question is, how did they get permission to dig this hole, which is, you know, the size of my living room at this point? It's true that, like, they're going to have to do some major landscaping after they're done. I also want to say they're not just looking for rare minerals. They're looking for, like, I forget what it is, but it's more Rubella's nonsense mysticism of, like, oh, these minerals will, like, read your thoughts and emotions. And so I was happy to hear the smash cut of immediately to Brain explaining why their plan's not going to work. Because if they got anywhere near the uh, Earth's core, their shovels would melt. That's right. Uh, we go immediately to, to Brain. I believe it was like to see the future or something, minerals to see the future. And uh, Brain is working on a rocket, that uh, a self-propelled rocket, and he tells Arthur that he was uh, busy at summer school all summer, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in it. He was teaching it, science and soccer. And I'm like, of course he was. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like as Brain becomes more fleshed out, the less I kind of like him. He reminds you too much of Neil deGrasse Tyson. 
Maybe a little bit. That might be it. And, you know, as Neil deGrasse Tyson became fleshed out as a person, the less time I had for him. Brain's tweeting about how, like, that's not how ships would land in real life in that Star Wars movie. Totally yeah. ridiculous and scientifically yeah. inaccurate. Just a, li- uh, just a little bit, taking it a little bit too seriously. Uh, so at this point, Arthur is kind of making his way back home in defeat. He wasn't able to really figure out what he did. Uh, Francine and Prunella are covering up the hole, and he's just like, everybody had a great summer except me. And uh, it's a good, so he goes into his room, and it's a good thing that this, this episode wasn't like a mystery or something. It wasn't like, you know, the mysterious hand or what have you. The, whole, the point of the episode wasn't about where the list was. It was about Arthur's adventures and what we eventually wrap up with, because Arthur closes his bedroom door and finds the list on the back of the door. And this is very much like when he lost his, lost his glasses, quote unquote, and they were on his head. So Arthur, yeah, not, Arth- very, not very, uh, not very, not uh, very, or I should say, very forgetful. Yeah, his spatial awareness needs work. <laughs> um, so Arthur takes a look at his list and, uh, you know, it, it laments the fact that he can't do any of it because summer's over. But DW comes into his room while he's reading it and asks him about it, uh, asks him to read it to her. And first off, he says, you know, uh, it was like, go on adventures. And Arthur said, I didn't do any of that. And she says, uh, yeah, especially when you were inside reading whenever it was rainy. But then that leads to the whole, the start of the whole point of the episode where it's like Arthur thinking about reading all of the books he did during the summer, which are some classics in there. He read The Three Musketeers, Treasure Island, Gulliver's Travels, and in doing so... Uh, found himself transported to wondrous worlds through the power of reading. The uh, framing for this is as uh, Buster, uh, excuse me, as Arthur and DW are looking at this list, it's this great shot of like the sun is setting and Arthur sort of lamenting that summer's over and through lighting and the way they frame the scene, they really do give off the vibe of like, oh, this is like the end of something. Like we've come to the end of the journey of this episode of the summertime. And now this is Arthur's opportunity to look back at all that. Yeah. And uh, the colors in it were really good too. I thought they really uh, popped for what they were, for what they were trying to accomplish. Uh, Arthur's second uh, list item is go to travel to space, which he did in an imaginary way with Buster in the treehouse. So they had an adventure where they went to space. And the last one was learn to fly, which is uh, Arthur, Francine, and Buster uh, on bikes and doing a jump uh, on like homemade platforms at the park in these like, they look like the jumps in Excite Bike a little bit. (laughs) Or just, just ramps. Yeah. I don't know. They reminded me a bit of Excite Bike, and Arthur imagines that he's on like a uh, a fighter jet, and he's just like, "Well, I did actually do all of these things, just not in the way that he originally imagined that he would." And finds out that he didn't waste his summer, and he says thanks to DW, and she just says, she just goes like, "It's like I was trying to make him feel rotten, but now he feels even better. I'm a failure as a little sister." It's one of DW's better lines. Yeah. Uh, the episode ends with Arthur, Francine, and Buster, uh, roasting marshmallows in Arthur's backyard on, like, the grill, and they imagine themselves, uh, in, like, the Old West, as they're just like, you know, school's, school starts tomorrow, and, uh, it's gonna be a nice rest after all the adventures I had this summer. Did you find, I don't know if maybe you thought of this, but I felt that the way that the, that the dialogue was written here, it kind of felt like it was a bit of a King of the Hill reference. Like, Arthur was kind of putting on a bit of a Hank Hill, and he was just like, you know, they're roasting marshmallows instead of cracking beer, but it was just like, yep, school's gonna be pretty, uh, pretty relaxing after the adventures I've been on. Yep. Not a marshmallow? (laughs) Yep. That's I don't know. Maybe uh, King of the Hill was it's around also, at that time. It, 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 that, that's a good poll because I didn't think of that, but it is very similar. But it's also like almost like a John Wayne joke, like, oh, hmm. where are you going, pilgrim? Like that. He's got that manner of speaking. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 I buy that, too. And that's uh, that's where that episode ends, as, as they will begin another year of school so, somehow in the third grade still. But, you know, that's uh, that's a whole can of worms we don't have to get into. All right, let's uh, let's head on back. We have to go back to the beginning of the episode. To, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> to talk of to talk about lost exclamation mark. What'd you think uh, of that one, Lucas? 
Well, much like the ending of the original Lost, I was actually kind of disappointed with this episode Ooh. because it was one of those episodes where I was really looking forward to it because I had remembered like some of the cutaways, like uh, Buster, uh, excuse me, Arthur being on the bus that never ends and also Arthur being in the diner, stuff like that. So it was one of those episodes that stuck with me since childhood. And upon watching it again, I think the thing that kind of ruined it for me is the way it's edited non-linearly. We already know, obvious, and obviously I didn't think something bad was going to happen to Arthur, but we know right away that he's home. And because the uh, story's kind of being told in reverse, like... Arthur is already home and he's working his way back. It takes all the tension away from the episode. I think this episode could have been, a, one, a better mystery of like, okay, how do we end up here? Like, why is Arthur lost? And how is he going to get home? So it kind of sucks all the tension out knowing that he's home safe and he's just kind of recounting the details. Um, I don't know if I was as disappointed in it as you are, but it is uh, a very simple, it's a lot simpler of an episode than I think it starts out as seeming like. And it's important to know that kind of going in. I felt that there were a couple things that uh, uh, saved it from being one that I disliked. And by a couple things, I mean the um, the imagination sections at the beginning with Buster and Francine's idea of what the bus is like. I thought that those were, uh, on on one hand, like really creepy and sort of terrifying and genuinely very funny. Um, I think that it's also one that seemed like it was made for little kids. And of course it all is. Mm. It's a children's cartoon, but it's, it's with the kind of message of like, here's what to do. If you ever get lost, like don't be afraid to ask for help and this sort of thing. Like here's what Arthur did when he was in trouble and uh, I thought it ended on a very sweet note, too. So uh, I would say it's very simple, almost more so than a lot of the other episodes we watch. But at the same time, there was a couple of things in there that were memorable to me. And so I think I will look back on this fondly, even though I probably wouldn't necessarily watch it again. And uh, the short, quick summer. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I may have to kind of talk it out a little bit uh, just because I do like the format of this episode, just like I liked uh, Arthur's New Year's Eve because it's a, it's, um, it's an ensemble episode, but unlike other ones where we kind of find that they fall flat, I liked how this one gave uh, everybody a little bit of time to have their own stories and surprisingly well-developed ones in the cases of Buster and Sue Ellen. Uh, and I, I did like the message at the end of just how Arthur, you know, he didn't, he thought he didn't do what he wanted to do in the summer and it all kind of got away from him. But then in the end, he actually did get up to some great adventures and it's a nice little message of like, you know, Hey, just, uh, you know, you don't have to, uh, set out to do exactly everything you want to do. Just ha have fun. And those will be the memories that you look back on. Uh, I, I kind of thought that it was a, a little bit of a fluffier episode, but that's that's totally fine. I mean, Arthur's not exactly like a hard-hitting drama or something. So I thought it was fun. Um, I don't know. It's it, I wouldn't say it's like among the best episodes, but I liked it. It was fun. Uh, I really liked uh, the Quick Summer episode. It reminded me of like a Richard Linklater film in the sense of like, it's similarly to how Wet Hot America, uh, not Wet Hot American Summer, Dazed and Confused, similar to how Dazed and Confused sort of has kind of a plot, but it's more just like a bunch of snapshots of everybody what they're doing on this day at this time uh this episode is similar in the sense that it's like okay let's see how all the characters spent their summer and are there any lessons to be learned from that so i thought it was a really great slice and ability to look at all the different arthur characters and how they would spend their summer there was some lessons to be learned like with sue ellen's episode and that you have to keep at something to get good at it and then there was some laughs like in buster's little side story which i thought was hilarious or Binky's as well was really funny. And I also liked the binded glue that held the whole episode together of Arthur learning the lesson that, you know, like you said, you don't have to make all these grand plans. You just have to enjoy the time you have. There's also the nostalgia factor, but I also think it's just a really funny episode with, I, I love the bit where DW is talking about Kate's first word. Uh, the animation and all these things like there's great transitions at the start where it's showing like what Arthur expects to do all throughout a summer and it's sort of this calendar with all the dates on it and then like I said the uh, finale of the episode as they're kind of recounting the summer and they're in front of the sunset I really enjoyed it it was one of my favorite episodes so far I think of the second season mm. you know when you lay it all out like that I think I tend to agree with you but uh, I also think that 
the second season so far has been uh, a little bit weaker than season one. I don't know how many of the episodes we've seen mm. so far I would call my favorite. But we're I, I think we're around maybe halfway through it, and if not, we're getting there. So, you know, there's plenty of time for other stuff to happen. I'm just not as... Um, Blown away is not the right word, but I, I'm 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 not as feeling as strongly about it as I did the first season around this time. I agree with you. I think the episodes that are hitting really hit hard, like this episode, and I think there was one episode before that I loved, hmm. uh, and so those episodes are almost as good, if not better, as anything I saw in the first season. But everything else, there's a lot of like middle of the road episodes thus far. Yeah. Okay, so there it is, Lost and the Short Quick Summer. Uh, those are our thoughts on it. What did you think of the episodes? You can uh, let us know, and uh, we can tell you how. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, uh, regarding last week's episode, sorry about the uh, the drop in microphone quality there. That's what happens when I uh, forget to hook up my actual microphone to audacity and instead i ended up using my laptop microphone from a from a distance away too so apologies i won't make that mistake again okay so we are on social check us out there facebook.com slash elwood city limits twitter at ecl podcast on tumblr elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and if you would like to send us an email about your thoughts on the episode any episode you've heard before uh, your thoughts on the podcast so far or anything you'd like us to talk about send it to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com I'm also very happy to say that uh, this week or excuse me not this week um, last week I sent out right after we uh, recorded the podcast I sent out the package to our winner Ultra Esky so Ultra Esky you'll be getting that very soon hope you enjoy the Canadian and Nova Scotia contents of that package and finally if you uh, want to keep listening to us a couple ways you can do that uh, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits although I will kind of tip my hat a little bit here and say uh, we will be changing providers within the next couple of weeks as soon as I can get around with, to it and considering I uh, will be out of a job in a couple of days I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands so sooner rather than later <laughs> uh, our SoundCloud probably will not be available or at least will not be updating as it used to and we'll tell you all about that when we get to it you can always find us on iTunes just search us out over there if you'd like uh, you can leave a rating and review we really appreciate it thank you to everybody who has already and you can also find us on the Google Play Store. Okay, so Lucas, um, I'm not going to say next week just because I'm in the mid middle of a move right now and it's a, a big one. So I may feel like I want to take next week off in the midst of all this chaos. Or I may feel like I really want to record next week because I may not have very much going on. So the next time that you and I have an episode together, this one is one that I think that you and I have been waiting for for a long time. The first story is one that uh, is going to be very anticipated. It's D.W. Goes to Washington. <gasps> Timely. Very. <laughs> Arthur continues not to disappoint when it comes to staying relevant in today's age. And uh, the second half of that episode is called Arthur's Mystery. And I'm not even sure what that is, so the mystery is indeed afoot. DW Goes to Washington and Arthur's Mystery will be our next episode. Thanks so much for uh, joining us once again. Uh, I've got this big move in front of me, but it will all, you know, I just have to keep telling myself, it'll all get done. Hey, Lucas moved in half the time that I did, and he's doing A-OK. -okay. So that's who I'm going to be drawing inspiration from this week. All right, so Lucas, anything else you got to say? Who's playing? <laughs> All right, let's get it on out of here. This is Will Young for Elwood City Limits. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time.